do you have any upcoming projects that you want to mention? I am starting a New Jersey chapter of the Taylor Swift fan club, and you all are invited <laughs> to join. So excited. But Ooh. unfortunately, um, <laughs> unfortunately, every meeting we have to sing Never Grow Up. Um, it's just, it's our official... I'm out. No, come on. What? Come on. <laughs> I'm out. I'm it's out a, too, dude. I can't do it's it. It's the official song. <laughs> all right. Well, then forget it. Then. <laughs> podcast where we share our thoughts about an album from top to bottom no skips and we give some minor notes that is kate griffin and that is gabby alvarez welcome if you're new here gabby is a music business professional i'm a songwriter and this entire first season of minor notes is dedicated to the discography of miss taylor swift Gabby is a fan of hers, and I am on a listening journey to figure out if I'm a fan too. And to do that, each episode we are listening to her albums in chronological order and discussing each track. Yes, and today we are joined by a very special guest. Cassine Gaines is an author, educator, theater director, and popular culture historian. He's written for Rolling Stone, and his work has been positively reviewed by a host of fancy schmancy publications like the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post. You can see Cassine in the Back to the Future episode of Netflix, The Movies That Made Us, and all over social media. His handle is at Cassine Gaines, and his musical taste ranges from the Spice Girls to Prince, Erica Badu to No Doubt, Fleetwood Mac to Aretha Franklin, with a lot of randomness mixed in, and he is one of my very dear friends. Cassine, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be on this Taylor Swift journey with all of you. It's a journey. <laughs> We're excited. <laughs> I'm happy that you can jump on this episode. I know you're not too familiar with Swift either. Less than Kate, though. Uh, oh, are, Kate, are you like semi-familiar with, with T-Swift? I'm, on, I'm only as familiar as far as we've gotten. I, I've oh, heard okay. the radio hits and this whole thing started because I don't know if I'm a fan. And Gabby was like, we got to go to the beginning. We have to start from the very beginning. So here we are. Yeah. How many albums does she have? Don't know. I was going to say, Gabby, just, that's a you question. Yeah, because it just seemed like I was like, wow. Like, Because I know I saw what you did for the last episode. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that album at all. And then I didn't <laughs> know this album at all. And I was like, how many... I feel like they're all like lost albums. They're not. They're very popular albums, but they're just lost to me, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, that's how I felt. I think there's 10. I think she has. So Taylor Swift, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989, Reputation, Lover, Folklore, and Evermore. Oh, nice. So that's nine plus the Taylor's version of Fearless and Red. So technically 11, but the last two are the same. Okay. And when did she really blow up? I think, like, she's... By the time this album that we're diving into today, Speak Now, was released, was when she she had won the Grammy already for the last oh, album. Oh, okay. So this was the album of her as, like, the, the Grammy winner, the Best New Artist Grammy winner coming out. I feel like I should have been more familiar with it. Yeah, I think she got superstar famous, though, when she started doing more pop stuff, and that was on Red. Like, I Knew You Were Trouble. 
Okay. And uh, we are never, ever getting back together like that song was everywhere. We were also, we were saying this last episode that we kind of missed the, well, we as in people our age, but not Gabby. We kind of missed the boat on this a little bit. We were like a little bit older for her typical fan base. See, I had that, it's funny, I had that thought too because my introduction, literally the day I met Taylor Swift was the Kanye West VMAs. Like, oh, that was, wow. like, I, I didn't know who she was before that moment. I mean, like, you must have maybe so I had lost. heard of her. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> it was totally over my head, the whole thing. But, um, so this is, this is after that? This is after that. Oh, it is after that. There's a song on this album that is about Kanye West Ooh. in that moment. Oh, I can't, w- I don't know. Oh. I'm going to give you guys all the tea. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to get really into it. Oh, that's, that is interesting. <laughs> I can't now. wait. Yeah. So let's jump in. Let me give you guys a little bit of background on this album. And I also want to read to you what she had written in the liner notes for this album. Cool. So Speak Now, it's her third studio album. It was released October 25th of 2010. Taylor was 20 years old when it came out. She wrote this album in the two-year period where she was uh, promoting Fearless, which is the previous album. So she was like 17 or 18-ish going on 19 when she wrote these songs. Mm. Something to keep in mind when we critique the shit out of (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So it's a concept album. She developed it as a concept album to, like, confess things. Uh, So this is what's written in her liner notes. Speak now or forever hold your peace. The words said by preachers at the end of wedding ceremonies all over the world right before the vows. It's a last chance for protest, a moment that makes everyone's heart race and a moment I've always been strangely fascinated by. So many fantasize about bursting into a church, saying what they'd kept inside for years like in the movies. In real life, it rarely happens. Pause. Who fantasizes about this? Yeah, what? I was like, <laughs> do they? That's psychotic. No, and let me tell you, when you're when you're standing up there, you are terrified. Yes. Of that oh my moment. god. <laughs> you're like, is someone gonna burst in right now? Oh my god, I'd be like, out. out. It could literally be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> then she says, Real life is a funny thing, you know. In real life, saying the right thing at the right moment is beyond crucial. So crucial, in fact, that most of us start to hesitate for fear of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. But lately, what I've begun to fear more than that is letting the moment pass without saying anything. I think most of us fear reaching the end of our life and looking back, regretting moments that we didn't speak up. When we didn't say, I love you. When we should have said, I'm sorry. When we didn't stand up for ourselves or someone who needed help. These songs are made up of words I didn't say when the moment was right in front of me. These songs are open letters. Each is written with a specific person in mind, telling them what I meant to tell them in person. And I'm not going to read you the rest because it gives you hints about who the songs are about. Mm. So this was the second Taylor album that I purchased. And I remember reading these liner notes when I first listened to it. And I remember decoding the messages. That's kind of exciting. That's kind of fun. Decoding the messages. So what she would do is like in the lyric booklet, there would be certain letters that would be in bold. And so you just like write them down. And it was a message to who? It's like the oval team message from a Christmas story. (laughs) is very familiar with that. exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah, so that is it. So I have the tea and I'll let you guys know what the message was for each song. Awesome. Oh, each song had a different message. It wasn't like a message. So the the decoding, each code is kind of telling you who it's about or hinting at who it's about. Did Did you know the liner notes had this message or did you just figure it out 
on your own? I knew the letter. No. Did you know I, to look no, for it? No, I just it? noticed it. I was like, why are these letters in bold? So I started writing them down. And this was like before I was a super fan of hers. I didn't know that was a thing that she did. Wow. Interesting. I just know, yeah. You were like, she's speaking to me and but only But this is me. the magic of Taylor. It's like she writes like, a, like a, be it some of that introduction was psychotic, but like she makes a good point. Sometimes we don't say yeah. the words. Yeah. And so the album is speak now because you should speak now, which is kind of cool. Cool. Shall we, Kate? Yeah, let's go. All right. So normally I start each song by telling you who wrote it and who produced it. But as a note for all of these, she is the solo writer on every song. And she and Chapman produced every song together. And Chapman, Kassin, has been her producer for both previous albums. So this is her third album with him where he is like totally hands on. That is incredibly impressive. That's that's really impressive. It is, and that's one of my notes. Yeah, so, yeah, this is the first album that we've listened to so far where she wrote every single song. Wow. Every single. Yeah, in the past yeah. she's had like a ton of co-writers on most of the tracks, and some of them have just been her. But this is all Tay Tay. Does she still write her? I'm I'm just like here to learn. I'm just, yeah. is she, does she still write all of her own music? Yes, like singularly. Uh, I mean. Sometimes she works with other people, but for the most part, she's like the lyricist. Got you it. know what? And the way I would describe it too, I think early in her career, which I consider this to be early in her career, the writing partners were people in the biz. I think she was like getting mm-hmm. guidance from. Whereas now, when she writes with someone, it's a feature. Like she's choosing them mm. to say, "I want yes. to work with you. You're already established in your own right. Let's combine our powers." That's how I. Got it. And I think like with this album being the first one that's only written by Taylor, it's a step. Like this is a serious step oh, in yeah. her career and in her like her her skill set. So for mine, so like I said, she's sole writer and producer with Chapman. Um, but mine, which is the first track, was the first single oh. on August 3rd of 2010. So this was the first single. Uh, let's get into mine. I think this is a strong opener. I like that it starts off with like very sparse instrumentation. Acoustic guitar, drums, and then the vocal comes in. And it's it's a sweet song. It picks up in the pre-chorus, which I like. And the chorus is awesome. The momentum is very good. It's really good. Yeah. And I like the hook. You made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter. I like that line. Love it. And Love her, it. Like, as we've talked in previous episodes, her choruses are really good. And this is just a classic mm. Taylor. And also country songwriting. It's a story song. She's telling a story. It's totally a story song. I had a lot of the same notes, actually. It's a little more subtle country, definitely more pop leaning. Mm. It's a great opener for a change. On the first two albums, the openers to me were like, well, like not so good. So this was a nice one. Definitely the storytelling. What I think is interesting, and we've spoken about this before, where she'll tell stories in like three parts. Mm. So for this one, I got like they're meeting, they're falling in love, and then they fall on hard times. But now they're remembering why they're together in the first place. So like definitely... Almost like a fairy tale thing, which she has in other songs, but in a new way. Like, I wrote that it feels familiar, but more developed. That's how I feel about this. Definitely her strongest vocal yet. I can just tell from the production and everything, like, she's tighter, like, it just sounds Mm. better. I do think it's kind of a bombastic song. Like, I was listening with headphones, and I was like, oh, there's, like, a lot happening. Like, it's in your face that, that... vulnerability isn't really there for a first track, which usually happens for her. Uh, And then, Cassine, we forgot to tell you that I am keeping a list of words that she uses over and over and over and over again. Oh, okay. We'll give a tally at the end. The words in this one, she uses small town 
And she mentions 2.30 a.m. She has a thing about, like, 2 to 2.30 a.m. She's obsessed with it. Something. It's her witching hour. Something happens <laughs> to her. With it. What do you think, Kate? How do you keep track of these lyrics? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just fascinated by that. Do you look at the <laughs> lyrics or do you just, like, as you're yes, listening? Yes, I do. I have a spreadsheet. It takes a oh, long I love time. Yeah. And once you're this listening whole, to her. This whole outfit you guys have. This is fascinating. <laughs> once you're listening to her enough, you do. You're like, oh, she's singing about fucking rain again. Like, you just, so I, you can pull it out. So you're you're actually, you both are really validating me because this is my, obviously, is my first time. And I'm coming from a completely different frame of reference where I didn't hear those first right. two albums. Like I'm comparing it to like later Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? So yeah. um but the things that I wrote is like I think the very first lyric was you were in college working part-time waiting tables and I felt like it just immediately set like I was thinking like waitress, like that film waitress. Like I was thinking yeah. like it just put me in like a place immediately, yeah. which I loved. I thought it was very country sounding. I know that you said it sounded maybe more poppy than her previous country stuff. But sure. to me, this sounds like very country. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I couldn't tell where it was. I was trying to sort of decode, like, is this early? Um, but I picked up the fighting and crying at 2.30 a.m. And I have to say, <laughs> like, that took me right to college where I had some, like, fighting and crying at 2.30 a.m. Like, 2.30 a.m. was, like, the fighting and crying <laughs> argument hour yeah, yeah. For, for whatever everyone, reason. Apparently. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, let's just get personal <laughs> about it. So, um, so, yeah, I felt like that was an oddly specific lyric that also, like like was meant directly for me (laughs) that particular year. I didn't know how I felt about the song as an opener. I didn't know where the album was going. It felt to me very like angsty and very teenager-y, but also kind of like sweet and angsty at the same time. And I just wrote, and I I think in a way that's kind of like Taylor Swift. Like if I were going to describe Taylor Swift, it's kind of like sweet, but also a little angsty. And so yeah. it felt to me very familiar for her. Yeah. But I was, I was curious as to where the album was going to go when that was the start. I was kind of hoping it wasn't like a full-blown country album. The hidden message in this song. Yeah, what's, well, who is that? Who are we singing about? So, not a lot of info on who it's actually about, but the hidden message is Toby, and people think that it is the actor Toby Hemingway who played her love interest for the music video for this song. Oh. Oh, wait, but what? Weird. But wouldn't the song have to be written yes, first? Yes, I agree. But this is what the internet tells <laughs> So she me. knew Toby? Okay. He is very good looking. I did watch the video. He's very good looking. <laughs> even though his haircut in the video is unfortunate. Well, it was the It's like a perfect bowl haircut. Like, it's real bad. Yeah, Ooh. it was a It's little. real bad. I didn't know this was a single. This song did not track for me at all. Like, I did not register this song at all. Yeah, and we have spoken about how... I think she's still crossing over at this point from country and kind of like you, Cassine, when I heard it first, I was like, where are we going? Like, are we, are we going back to the country? Like what's happening? So sometimes though, Gabby did point out, and we don't have the stats on this. Some of the singles were just country singles and some were pop radio singles. I can't imagine this on like Z100. This, I feel like this was more of a country radio I want to say this song was, uh, maybe it was on the soundtrack to that movie Valentine's Day. It sounds like a soundtrack song. Um, So I think if it was heard widely, it was because of that. That makes sense. Track number two, Sparks Fly. Sparks Fly was the fifth single. She'll put out a lot of singles. And this was the fifth one, and that was July 18th of 2011. I think this song is super corny, but it's not the worst song I've ever heard. 
It's still really catchy. And that's the thing with Taylor is some of the songs you're like, this is the corniest thing I've ever heard, but I love it. <laughs> but but do you love this one? No, but she does sing about the way you move is like a full-on rainstorm. And I'm a house of cards. Are you yeah, making a house she, of well, cards outside? <laughs> <laughs> I know this girl in her rain. Why would you expose the house of cards to the elements at all? At, at all. all. Is she Well, sparks are flying. She's distracted. <laughs> I do also so she's also starts singing with a country accent again on this song. Oh. Drop everything now. Meet me in the pouring rain. Take away the pain. Mm. Twang. So she's slipping back into slipping it. Slipping back in. And also a note, this was the opening song on the Speak Now World Tour. This is the song she played first at her shows. Oh. Oh. Interesting choice. Okay. I felt the same. Interesting choice. <laughs> My notes are, we're back to country. Maybe I didn't initially recognize the twang, but like maybe that's where I wrote it. I don't know. I have that it's mediocre lyrically. It, as a country song, I feel like it's just okay. Yeah. Personally, I didn't feel like there was any strong melodies. I can't remember this song. You could sing me any song and I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know which one this is. If I wasn't researching, I would have skipped it. I would have just skipped it. And then I definitely wrote down rainstorm and pouring rain. I only counted rain one time, but she's using it so many times. <laughs> it's very confusing. Cassine, what do you got? I So I actually, I don't know why, I kind of like the song, but I liked it because my first note was that it sounds like something I'd hear in like a Ford ad. <laughs> like I felt like I could just see like a, like a, a, a pickup truck driving through the Grand Canyon. Okay. Okay. And this, you, I, I have to show you this. I don't know if you can see this. I know you can't see it out there in Audioland, but this is true. It says, I actually thought... This was a concept album. This song made me oh. say, is this a concept really? album? Because it felt like she had just broken up with her boyfriend. And now she was like looking for a new boyfriend and meeting someone like while she's outdoors on her own journey by herself. Like that was right. that was my note. So when you said it was a concept album, I was like, oh my, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Could not believe it. So the other thing that I noted, is, I did note the rainstorm, but nice. talking about the twang, I, I tried to write this out phonetically, <laughs> but she has the lyric around, like it's like, it's a, the word is around, but it's, right. I spelled it A-R-A-Y-O-W-N. That's the way it sounded around. to my ear. Yeah. And I said, this song is so country. And it should be noted, Cassine, you don't know this, but she was born in Pennsylvania. No, stop, no. Listen, we go into it. I thought she was like, one. no. I thought she was like, like a good Southern girl. So Taylor was born in Pennsylvania and her, she really wanted to go to Nashville and write songs. And so her dad transferred jobs to Nashville and moved the family to Nashville when she was 14. Where in Pennsylvania? Uh, I'm not sure where in Pennsylvania, but I know she grew up on a farm. Good question. But not like a city, no, right? Not she, like, not she like grew up on a country farm. So like not the city. Okay. So yeah, so she she moved to Pennsylvania and I think we, we kind of settled on that the twang came from she learned how to write songs in Nashville and so it's not that crazy mm. that she uses the inflection. Yeah. But, the, but it really adds like I, i'll be honest like i kind of i don't listen to a lot of country but i can appreciate country like a lot of really good musicians are country artists like it's yeah. a it's a specific 
And also you get a lot of singer-songwriters, like singer-instrumentalists, you know, like I just feel like they're really musical people. So I, I kind of appreciate what she's doing, but I, like two songs in, two country songs in, I was a little bit worried. And then I saw there were like, 17, 18 songs. I was like, uh-oh. I hope I'm not, like, signed yeah. up for, like, an hour and a half of a country album. But, it, no. you know, there were, some, there were some twists and turns here. So, the secret message on this song... Oh, yeah. Right. Portland. When Taylor was 16, she wrote this song. This song was written when she was younger. And she she used to perform it on in live shows, but never had recorded it. And there's a performance of this song that was on YouTube from a show in Portland and her fans like demanded that she recorded it. And that is why she put it on this album. Oh, so like for them. Yeah. It's like for, it's for them. That's sweet. Cool. That is sweet. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Track three, Back to December. Back to December was the second single. November 15th of 2010. I think this one is different because it's the first one where I feel like she learned how to sing sad songs and sound sad. Mm-hmm. She sang sad songs before and sounds super happy about it. And this is the <laughs> first time she learned how to change her emotion while she sings. It's also different thematically because it's Taylor saying that she's in the wrong like she made the mistake and she's taking responsibility. It's a role reversal for her from everything we've heard up to this point. So I, I think that's interesting. And this is also the first song that we've heard that has any orchestral arrangements. And I just love, I love strings. And if they're used right, they elicit emotion. And that is exactly what happens on this song. Oh my, I feel like we were like sharing a brain. I think we're in line. All in line? I think we're all in line here. Ah, yeah. Okay, so starts off a little country. The strings are so nice. I literally wrote, this feels like the first genuinely heartfelt song I've heard from her. Like, I felt this. I was like, oh, shit. Like, she's sad. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's because this is the first song where she's admitting that she messed up. Every other song is like, you, 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 so far. And this is like, uh, my bad. Like, I messed up. Yeah. There are some low bass notes in the chorus. We talked about this with the last album that really balance her voice really well, that I just love hearing. Um, There's a beautiful male harmony, which is nice. I think the cadence of the song is fantastic. Um, there's a delay on the guitars, which like as a guitar person, I just really appreciate because that kind of pulls you out a little bit of the country so much. But I also think lyrically, one of the lines I pulled, she's being specific, but not in a way where she names someone from her life that like takes me out of it, but she's being specific enough, but still general. So the line I wrote down was, um, these days I haven't been sleeping, staying up, playing back myself, leaving when your birthday passed and I didn't call. And I just feel like everyone has like had a sleepless night where they were like, I messed this up so bad. And just the specificity of I didn't call a former lover, friend, whatever on their birthday. Like that's such a shit thing to feel bad about, you know? Yeah. The tropes, daydreaming, and she mentions passenger side, which to me is a car. So you're in the car. So those two happened. And then my uh, my very first note, but I want to end with it. Is this the Taylor Lautner song? Because I was Team Jacob, and maybe that's why I'm feeling this so much. So, the hidden message in this song is Tay, T-A-Y. This song is about Taylor Lautner, who uh, is probably most well-known for being the werewolf Jacob in the Twilight series. Taylor and Taylor, which is so weird, dated in 2009, (laughs) uh, and she broke up with him that December, and she felt real bad about it. 
wrote this song. <laughs> and Taylor Lautner confirmed that this song was about him in an interview. Oh. How special. What a good song. Another thing to note, Taylor Lautner is engaged now to someone else named Taylor. This sounds ridiculous. I agree. <laughs> a little creepy. Super creepy. Like, super creepy. You really like yourself, bro. So creepy. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, Cousin, what were you thinking about back to the So time? my, I'm, I'm going to just do like, I'm going to like read yeah. my list because a lot of this stuff has been said. I said it's, uh, I said, ooh, a ballad. I thought it was a little overproduced in the beginning for a ballad. Like it was, a, it was a little like, ooh, it's a ballad. Like I kind of wanted to yeah. be like invited in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I got really excited because I wrote, I think I actually know this song. The chorus is very catchy. If this wasn't a single, it should have been. But now I know that it was a single. So good. I really liked it. I loved when the male vocals came in. It was so, warm and really surprising because she had been by herself for the first couple of songs so Mm -hmm. this was the first song that was different on the album and then like the backing vocals came in and i was like look at us we're just like growing in real time on this album (laughs) so i was very impressed by that i so this is like my own thing i saw the song was called back to december and like so in my mind i wanted a song that sounded a little wintry like it doesn't have to reference winter but like i'm thinking like four in the morning gwen stefani like Mm -hmm. just it sounds a little you know wintry this didn't sound wintry but then i was like oh wait but she wants to go back to the wintry so i i allowed it i allowed this was all what was happening in my brain it's allowed the one thing though actually the two like instrumental notes um no pun intended that i wrote is i thought the bridge reminded me instrumentally of a thousand miles because of the violins like i heard a little like uh, you know, a little Vanessa Carlton-y. I love that. Now, I, I'm not familiar enough with the song, but I just wrote, I loved the ending because there were a couple of seconds of instrumental that were kind of like a holdover. Mm. Like the song had sort of ended and then like, it's sort of like, had a little instrumental like trail to it. And I, I was like, this is too, just, yeah. I was like, this is just a cool, it was a very interestingly produced song. Like I really like, liked what was going on in the song. You could tell that, like, it was really a, um, I don't know. I felt like the first two songs were really, like, very insular in terms of, like, I could see, like, her working on them. Right. And this felt like I could see people a bunch of people working on it together. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. Some critical acclaim for this song. It peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. Oh. And it went on to win two BMI Awards, uh, Publisher of the Year and award-winning songs. And it also won... A Teen Choice Award for Choice Breakup Song. That's why I know it. Ooh, there you go. It's the Teen Teen Choice Award. That's it. (laughs) Track four, Speak Now. The only purpose this song serves is it's the title track. (laughs) And in my, uh, it's a stupid song. It's stalkery. It's a weird to fantasize about this moment. Why would you ruin someone's wedding and all i could think about was i was the maid of honor at my best friend's wedding i would punch you in the face i would i would fish hook you with my acrylic nails and drag you out are you out of your mind rude it's It's so so rude. rude and like to to daydream about doing this to someone is awful and just to like fulfill a weird fantasy that she has with that moment 
Which she admitted already. Yeah. Like, we know you want to do this. Really, really <laughs> fucking weird. Uh, all I wrote was, it's just anger. I would fish hook you. That's what I wrote. I would fucking I would, close line you is also what it says. It's also very You Belong With Me uh, from the Fearless record. And I wrote, no, he doesn't. He's marrying someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. That's the same note I had. I put a, this song does not help with the boy crazy stereotype, if you want to call it, I don't know the word, that she got later in her career. Like, yeah. this is not it for you. This is a bad one. I said, it gives me You Belong With Me vibes, but it's a bad version of that song. Like, You Belong With Me is so good. Yeah. Like, this is a recycled, like, bad idea. Lyrically, it really bothers me, and she does this a little bit on the earlier albums, where she will squeeze a whole bunch of words into a phrase. And the one I wrote down was, horrified looks from everyone in the room. And I'm just like, you can rework this. Like, there are other words you can use. (laughs) It just felt like she was cramming everything in, very cluttered. There is... A sort of weird, I described it as like a doo-woppy backing vocal, which is like kind of cute happening, which is very different from it's all her other stuff. It's still a catchy-ass song. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's catchy. The doo-woppy thing was interesting, but otherwise just like a throwaway. Like this was bad. And the tropes were daydream. So not that heavy on the tropes, but I do not like this one at all. Kassin. I I didn't mind the concept because I didn't know about her stalkery liner mm. notes. So to me, I was like, okay, she's doing something a little different. But I, the thing that like kind of jumped out to me was I was getting not lyrically, but I was just getting major. Not a girl, not yet a woman. Like Ooh. it just seemed like she's she's singing about a wedding, which is a very mature thing, no matter what age you are. But the lyrics were so childish yeah. that it just it felt like like playing dress up you know it felt like pretend you know what i mean like not like a real version of a wedding in any in any reality and i i just sort of felt like it was one of those weird things that when you're a teenager or like a a late teenager early 20s i didn't know exactly how old she was here but i i felt like she was later in her teen years this is sort of what you would imagine adulthood to be like. Like you would imagine wanting to do this, but like in real life, when you're an actual adult, you would have better things to do with your time. You know, way worse as a real adult. (laughs) Yeah. Like you would just, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't even fantasize. Like you would either, you would call, like if you really had something to say, you would call like a normal person or go see them, like not on the wedding day. You know, like, that's something you do, like, on sitcoms, you know? Yes. It's all very fantastical. Or you would move on with your life. Or you would just let it go. Or you would live with regret, like most adults. Just live with the regret. That's fine. Like a normal, decent person. Just live with it forever. (laughs) Yes. Share these thoughts with your therapist. Not a problem. Hidden message is, you always regret what you don't say. Now... Here's the tea. Okay. This song is about her friend Haley Williams, who, for her entire career, was in love with her bandmate Josh Farrow and had to go to his wedding to another woman. This is the same woman that Haley Williams famously wrote Misery Business about. Wait, I'm confused. Taylor is the woman she wrote Misery no, Business No, no, no. Uh, Josh's okay. now wife is the woman that Haley wrote Misery Business about. And uh, I told Taylor I'm going to this wedding and I'm in love with him and 
they started talking about the speech. Oh, so now. Taylor Swift is writing this kind of like through her friend's yes. eyes. Is that what you're saying? Okay. It's so weird you said that because I, I left this note out because of timing. So we know that Taylor is a Paramore fan. We know that. Yes. And I wrote, this is reminiscent of Paramore's Crazy Girls. But that song came out in 2013, which was after this album. A lot of the issues I've had with Taylor is she'll, like, hear a song and write her own version of it. And I feel like it's a little bit too close. Oh, it's but Taylor's version. But this time version, she though. wrote it first. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's Taylor's version. <laughs> but this time she wrote the song first. So I let that note go because I was like, eh, like, maybe it's not relevant. But now I feel like I'm in this Haley Williams, Taylor Swift cycle. Maybe it is relevant. Maybe Haley wrote it because Taylor wrote Speak Now. You need to listen to the two side by side because it's, like, uncanny how in vibe like how similar in content they are they're just writing the same songs this is so but how horrible for the new wife for, for the what not the new wife the yeah. wife the wife the new wife <laughs> the wife how horrible that like people are just out there like penning songs about her Ooh, that's that's it's horrible. pretty shitty and famous yeah, people very famous yeah, like people are wow. gonna hear these yep. songs yeah. yeah i mean only the decoders <laughs> See, I don't will like know that. what they're you know, about honestly though. i was I don't know. I was you. You were starting to get me on this Taylor Swift thing a little bit. Uh-oh. This song is this song is the strike it against is. her. I don't like. Uh-oh. I don't yeah. like it. it uh, I don't like we it. We agree. I don't like what she's doing in it. I think it's. I think it's kind of mean girly. I don't like it. It's very mean girly. Let's move on. Let's go to track five, dear John. John Mayer, this song is your reckoning. This song. We'll get into this. The I'll tell you the the secret note now. It's loved you from the very first day. This song is about John Mayer, very obviously about John Mayer. And it's not just because she's using his name. It's the intentional way that she is using the guitar in the exact same way that he uses the guitar. Cause that like, it's called guitar slurring. I looked it up. The way the guitar sounds, the like weird, like twangy reverb. John Mayer does that all the time. It's very much, this is a John Mayer song sung by Taylor Swift. Oh. All of that aside, I think this song is beautiful. I think it's very sad. Mm. I feel for her because she talks about she's 19 and this person kind of took advantage of her. Mm. And uh, John Mayer has a reputation for being kind of a jerk at that time. Yeah. She also sings about dresses. She does with the dresses. But the line is, the girl in the dress cried the whole way home. Yes. Singing about herself. So maybe she knows she's got a thing about dresses. (laughs) Oh, I think she knows. How could you not know? You're saying it in every song. She's got to know. But I have that. Her voice sounds amazing on this track. It's very similar to uh, Back to December. It just felt very heartfelt and honest. And I think this... And December are examples of, like, superior songwriting. Mm. Um, to Cassine's point, I feel like a lot of the songs on this album and definitely previously are kind of immature, high schoolish, like a young girl figuring out how to write. I feel like these two are classic songs, like, just well-written. I thought it was very, cl- I don't know if it's me, I thought it was very clever. A Dear John letter is a letter that a woman writes to break up with her husband or her lover or someone. So the fact that his name is John, I don't know if that's meta. Like, is this an example I of meta? Maybe. She's writing a Dear John letter to John, yeah. right? Everything is very powerful lyrically, melodically. Feels like a crying car jam. Like, you just would scream this out in your car. Like, that's what I felt. It is super long. It is six minutes and 43 seconds long. But I didn't feel it. I listened to the song 
I listened to the song like three times today. That's so many <laughs> minutes of my day. And I loved it. I just loved it. But she does. She hits a lot of tropes. Rain, phone, dress, and town. I didn't she even notice it. Well, seven minutes yeah, long. Well. You got to fit them all in. Well, you know, she got to fill the time, right? Cassine, what did you think? I agree about the vocal quality. Like, I thought that was my first note. I was like, this is the best she sounds on the album. She just sounds great. I Because I'm not, I didn't, I don't know who she's dated, who she didn't. So I was... I was obsessed with like who is John? Like who is this John? But now now it makes complete sense. I put I love the way this song builds and I just noted the lyrics. Don't you think 19 was too young to be played by a dark twisted game and then the last time she goes back to that line she says don't you think I was too young? Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of like she was kind of like above it and then like it became so personal like at the end and I was just like, mm. it just like hit me, you know? I loved it. It reminded me, I mean, look, unfortunately there there are no shortage of songs about people being taken advantage of, women being yeah. taken advantage of by men who are older, but, mm. you know, my frame of reference was um, Hands Clean, Alanis Morissette, where it's a similar sort of song where it's like confrontational to the person who took advantage of someone who was younger. So I thought it was really heartfelt. I thought it was really just vocally really, really, really strong. And I just felt she really um, connected with everything she was saying in a way that in some of like the country or twangier songs didn't really, it felt almost like she was pretending in those other songs. And this one felt really personal. I think because this one was really personal. How long did they date? What's the what's the story? I don't think very long. Um, so the other bit of information that is a short-lived relationship. I don't really know how long. Mm. But he he apparently wrote a song in response called Paper Doll. And he... Paper dolls like to put on dresses. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Taylor's lyric in Dear John is, you paint me a blue sky, then go back and turn it to rain. The rain, rain trip. And John's lyric in Paper Doll is, and if those angel wings don't fly, someone's going to paint you another sky. Oh. Okay. All I'm right. kind of curious to hear his song now. I, yeah, I have to check it out. This is what Genius is telling right, me. Right, So, who knows? I mean, obviously, it, I think it's just, like, assuming that that's the response because there's some callback a little yeah. bit. But maybe he didn't. I think we need to make a mix of all the response songs. Would love to hear it. Like, Taylor calls out a lot of people who are musicians. She does. Maybe we should have a, a special episode. <laughs> there's a lot of response there's songs. There's a lot of response songs. All right, let's move on. Mean, track six. Okay, so Mean was the third song. Single, March 13th of 2011. Mean. Uh, banjos are a way to get me <laughs> yeah. on board with whatever song you are making. And this song has banjos everywhere. Banjos are plenty. Lyrically, I love the storytelling of it. I love that it's a little cheeky. I love that she's responding to someone who's not nice to her and still retaining her confidence Mm. and just like the whole someday I will be something more idea. It's a great message. And this song is a response to a music critic named Bob Lefsitz, who sends out a newsletter every week. I subscribe to it. I suggest you do too. He's really funny. But he gave her a very mean review after a performance in February of 2010. Uh, she performed with Stevie Nicks on an award show or something. And he claimed that she can't sing and that the performance shortened her career. 
Uh, and ultimately, she obviously proved him wrong, but he is who she wrote this song about. And it, I believe it won a Grammy. Oh, wow. Uh, mm. be- uh, won two Grammys, Best Country Song and Best Country Solo Performance. Wow, I'm surprised about that because my first note is, it's not a great song, but I really like it. Like, to me, this is not a song of Dear John Caliber, mm-hmm. but it is really good for what it is. I think it's a very sweet revenge song. Like it, like you said, like, she has this confidence. It's almost like a maturity thing. Like, fine. Like, be the way you are. Don't worry about it. So I like that. It kind of brought me back to her song 15 in terms of the nostalgia, because I was imagining this, like, her telling all her high school haters, like... Because we established she was probably kind of a weird kid in high school. Um, so I imagine lots of people... She was definitely a horse girl. Yeah, so I imagine lots of people had not too nice things to say about her. So this was kind of like, you know, that's how I imagined it. I love the bridge. And, and to Cassine's point, and Gabby, you have said this too, she really does take you to a place. Yeah. And when she says, I can see you years from now in a bar talking over a fo- football game with that same big loud opinion, but nobody's listening washed up and ranting about how I can't sing. And I just imagined this, like, garish bully woman at a bar, like, (laughs) screaming and knocking beers over and just being awful. And, like, I envision that every time I hear that line. The (laughs) three-part harmony and, like, the right before the last chorus is killer. It's so killer. And it's super country, but I just love it in a non-country way. I just love it. And no tropes. She doesn't say any of those words in this song. So that's a win. I I knew this song and I was excited again that I knew this song, but I was positive this song was by the Dixie Chicks. Oh, so I knew this. Song, like I was I was really familiar with this song, and but I did not realize this was tra- Taylor Swift. And then I was like, "Is this a cover? Are they are they featured?" Because I wasn't you know I was so thrown by it, but it really sounded. Not like her. It sounds a lot like what they sound like to me. Yes. And then I just thought, was she singing her own background vocals? Like, the background vocals sounded really good, but I think it was all her. I think so. And I was, like, really, I liked that. The other thing, too, was I just noted the line, you're mean and a liar and pathetic, <laughs> just because I thought it was kind of funny. And then I just said, like, I, I feel like this song is making me realize that her sort of niche is mixing the mature with the childish Mm. and i don't know if that i don't know if she's doing that knowingly or if that's just her as a writer but i just felt like throughout so many of these songs it was like mature subjects and childish lyrics or vice versa Mm. it just seemed like there was always that sort of mix happening and i was like i i can see how you develop kind of a younger fan base with writing about heartbreak and all these things that like 15-year-olds haven't... Well, 15-year-olds can experience heartbreak. But, like, some of her fans are very, very young. But yeah. I can see how these songs are have all these sort of access points for younger listeners is what I, I guess I'm getting at. Yeah, for sure. Spot on. Yeah, I love I love banjo, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a fanjo. You're a fanjo of the banjo. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fanjo. Uh, Track seven, The Story of Us. This was the fourth single in April oh. of 2011. I didn't know this was a single. Interesting, because this song is a banger, but it's not a great song. Not a great song. It's fun, but mostly just in the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are very repetitive and that like less than her usual. She usually has so much to yes. say. Yes. Doesn't really have that here. I also greatly dislike Next Chapter. Ugh. I liked it. I wrote that little. I no. liked it. I thought it was quirky. I hate it. 
It's so corny. It. It's a little corny. I liked it. Can I say, I know this isn't my turn, but I want to interject for one second and say, I thought this song to me, and again, it's just my ignorance of Taylor Swift, like, but I felt like so many of these songs were like her playing a part. Mm-hmm. And this this was like her Avril Lavigne Ooh. song to Ooh. me. And so I felt like that next chapter was almost like a like a making fun of like a skater boy. Make, like, it, like to me, I didn't take it seriously. I took it kind of of like making fun of the like in the style that she was yeah, singing in. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally does. So yeah, I I kind of liked it because I thought it was her kind of poking fun a little bit. That makes me hate it less, honestly, <laughs> you saying that. <laughs> I had that it felt very 2000s, like kind of dated mm-hmm. at this point. Uh it feels like a Hannah Montana song and not a Miley Cyrus song. This feels like a Hannah Montana <laughs> song. Like I heard it on the show or something. Uh, which some of those songs are really catchy and good, but like this is just that vibe to me. I wrote catchy but not special. The pre-chorus and the chorus are well written melodically, but I think there's just like so much happening, and you, you like I kind of lost interest. There is a very crazy '80s guitar tapping solo happening uh, in the instrumental section, and I was like, "Where the hell are we going? Like this is so weird." <laughs> and then no lyric tropes, none. The hidden message, CMT awards. Let me tell you. Okay. (laughs) Allegedly, this song is about Taylor and John Mayer both being at the CMT Awards together and not speaking to each other. Oh. Oh. So literally, we're in a room and we're not speaking. Very literally, we're in the story of us. We're in a crowded room and we're not speaking. Wow. Yeah. John gets two. He gets two. He gets two. For a short romance. Why is he getting two? But they were in a room not speaking. She had to write about it. <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. I liked, I liked that it was like a twist on the idea of like the story of us sounding like it's a nice story. Like I just liked the expectations mm. and then this being so subversive. Like I just appreciated that. I thought yeah, it was kind of cool. The, the story of us, people are going to say it started really good and then it was real bad. We're up. Yeah. But honestly, but I can't really remember it. Like, I don't know why. I felt like I had, like, sort of a net positive impression of it. But it's not, I can't hear it in my yeah. brain. You know? When I'm like, listening just... to it in the moment, I'm like, oh, I think I like this. And then I never think about it again. When it's over, like, I never think yeah. about it again. So, not a lasting impression, I guess that would say. Yeah. An album track. And al- Wait, was this a single? Did you say this was a single? Uh, the fourth. It was. That's pretty far down This was a line. single. Why? That seems like a very strange choice. Me neither. Again. Yeah. To me, leans a little bit more country, so maybe it was a country single. Maybe, maybe. not a top 40. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. All right, track number eight, Never Grow Up. A hard pass on this song as a oh, whole. It's horrible. But this is a me thing. When we hit the songs that are really, really slow and like about a baby, <laughs> which she's done before, I'm out. Ugh. I'm out. Can't relate. Cringy, corny. She. Wrote this song when she was very young, apparently, and then, like, repurposed it right. as an 18, 19-year-old, and it's allegedly not written about him, but more so, like, repurposed and performed for him for her godson, Ugh. which I have nieces and nephews, and I would never say any of this shit to them. No. <laughs> no. I wrote, what's the story here? I can tell I'm going to feel like an asshole for not liking it. <laughs> I said it's pretty but it comes off as creepy and weird it makes me think that she has some kind of Peter Pan syndrome 
Like, she is constantly writing about her childhood being a child, and I just think it's a little weird. Uh, It goes back to her perfect childhood, which we've said is, like, kind of problematic, because then she writes about all the drama, and it's like, girl, you're fine. Like, don't worry about it. I get a sickeningly sweet vibe, kind of like the song Best Day on album two. Like, stop telling us how great your life was. Like, this is enough. The song is almost five minutes, incredibly too long, and again, she's doing the three-part, like, baby teen adult which we have seen a lot at this point Mm -hmm. tropes are dreaming and she mentions her dad kasin what did you think i have a note that's almost identical to something that gabby had i put i'm just not a big fan of songs to babies (laughs) and i i get why people do it like i it's nice right like it's nice but like because by the time a baby knows what you're saying they're not a baby anymore and it's like this is creepy and they're gonna be like this song sucks (laughs) (laughs) it's you know but i feel like so many people do it and i i really i scanned my brain thinking about songs either to be you know like britney spears has a song to you know one of her or i guess her kids like people have these and Mm. but they're just all not great they're just really weird but you know what it is i think there's something inherent about like a relationship to a baby is like a personal thing like i don't need to hear your song to a baby i don't i don't i don't want to say i don't care but i don't care you know right like and it's just so that's that's that i put it was the worst song so far on the album and i put it's the first that isn't a love song. I mean, it's a love song, but not like a romantic right. love yeah, song. So yeah. like, and then I said, maybe, maybe she just needs to stick to what she's good at. She seems to be good with, with the love songs or the breakup songs. This, this wasn't working for me at yeah. all. Yeah. It's not a good song. I think it might be my least favorite song. We might get to when I hate worse, the more <laughs> we progress, but I really do not like this song. On this album? On this album. Yeah. It's my least oh, favorite. Oh, okay. The hidden message is... I moved out in July. The annotation here on Genius says, Taylor mentions a new apartment that she moved into, and it's so much colder than I thought it would be. This makes me hate the yeah, song what? even more. It that makes was me the hate the wor- song even more because she had this whole prologue about how these are unspoken yeah. things and this song doesn't fit into that theme. Why did you put it on this album? Maybe maybe what she meant to say was, I left the key on the kitchen table. Right. <laughs> maybe that was it. She moved out. Maybe that was... I don't know. Ugh. Bizarre. I don't know. It's real weird. Why do we agree? At least I don't feel like a dick. I was like, something's going to be wrong here. Like, this is going to be about, like, you know, a, a sick family member or something. But, like, no, we don't like it. <laughs> no. Fuck this song. It's Get terrible. it out of here. <laughs> Track number nine, Enchanted. I really love this song. I have always loved this song. I think it's beautiful. The momentum is be- is perfect. The pre-chorus, the chorus, the bridge, it all, it just sounds, it sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah. And I think that Taylor, she lives and sings in a fairy tale often. A lot of the things she sings about, like speaking out at a wedding, like it's all just like, like that's a dream that's not real. Yeah. Sometimes it slightly concerns me, but when the song is this beautiful, I'm okay. This was originally going to be the album name. Oh. And the CEO of Big Machine Records, Scott Borchetta, told her that was a bad idea. Uh, This is a quote from him. We were at lunch and she had just played me a bunch of new songs. I looked at her and I'm like, Taylor, this record isn't about fairy tales in high school anymore. That's not where you're at. I don't think the record should be called Enchanted. I think that was the right call. The right call. Yeah. And my last note is 2 a.m. Who do you love? Stop. Taylor, you need to Go take to a fucking ambient. What are you doing up this late every night? It makes no sense. 
Yeah, I, surprisingly, this is probably going to be my underdog song. I love this song. I think the synth is so nice. We haven't really heard synth yet. Mm -hmm. It is deeply romantic, but it is not annoying, like some of her other very romantic songs. And it feels like falling in love. Like, I feel like she's describing it. And it's like, it took me back to like first boyfriend yeah. stuff where I was like, oh my God. Like, I was overwhelmed. There's a really <laughs> nice contrast between like soft, pretty ver- verses and big choruses, big bursts of emotion. Um, it is a little similar in the bridge to Sparks Fly. They do this like hit thing. And I was like, I heard this earlier. So, like, that kind of bothered me. And then I got 2 a.m. and dance. But this is like, I shouldn't like this song, but I love this song. I really do. So like this I'm song. gonna I'm gonna pitch you all an idea for the future. But your 2 a.m. thing reminded me. You should maybe consider if you're doing like a, a response tracks like special episode. I think you all committed to that. I think I heard that. <laughs> yes. um, so the, you could just do like a, a time chronology. You can do like her 2 a.m., then follow it with her 2.30, then maybe slip in, like, Matchbox 23 a.m. <laughs> like, you can just you can just go through time. Yeah. That's just just an idea. I so, like it. um listen, I'm going to I'm going to get voted off the island here. Don't do it. I'm sorry. You don't like it? I'm sorry. I I did not like oh, this. No. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. I thought it was so formulaic. Ooh. It was like the soft verses, the big choruses, the soft verses, the big chorus. I knew where it was going. Okay. I don't want to. I felt like there were other songs that kind of surprised me or took me on a little bit of a different ride. But this one, I felt like from the very beginning, it was so predictably constructed mm. that I couldn't even really appreciate. I thought. The synth, I thought, was, like, too much. And then, I so I was listening to it, and I I wasn't looking at the titles. I was just, you know, making sure that I was following along in the right... Then I was like, oh, it's Enchanted. Oh, so all the synth is, uh, like, like a, a, a musical fantasy. Yeah. Oh, I get... <laughs> like, it just felt a little... It felt a little too clever for me. Okay. You know what I mean? It felt like... like, too on the nose. Yep. I'm going to say something, Cassine. It felt to you like lowercase a art. It did. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt. It felt like. Look at how well I can write a song. Yeah. That's mm. what it felt like, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't appreciate it. I and, and to be honest with you, but you know, not not having made it through this many Taylor Swift songs in, uh, you know, uh, secession in, in that in that in a long time. I actually thought she was better than this song. Oh By the time gosh. I got to this song, I was like, I was like, you're you're better than this. So wow. I, this is I didn't rough. like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just want to make a note too, at the very beginning, there are like some sounds. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not like a musician, but it sounded like the very beginning, like plucking of Rolling in the Deep. Oh. It just in the very beginning of the song. Uh, Rolling in the Deep might be later, okay. so I'm not saying that like she no, like no, copied it, later, you know, but yeah. I it just sounded like the same sort of like doom 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 oh, doom. Oh, I have doom. To like go it just back had that listen. sort of thing. So that's what my that's what my ears it was before she started singing. Is there's a little instrumental intro. Okay. I, I wasn't feeling the song. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Well, maybe I can change your mind. Okay. So the hidden message is Adam. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to change your mind. No. <laughs> oh, my change. <laughs> the Adam it is about is Adam Young, who is in Owl City, and they sing that song about fireflies. 
That is that actually that made it so much worse. So much worse. That yeah. made it so worse. Fireflies in response to this because I kind of get that romanticism no, from Fireflies so. too. So apparently they had talked a lot online and were like communicating over email and the phone, and she had a crush on Ew. him. And the first time they met at a party. She, when she came back to her hotel after she wrote this song, like it's just a big crush feel. I mean, I did get the crush vibes. Yeah, for sure. For mm. sure. That deflates it a little bit for me, though. I wasn't feeling it. I'm sorry. So, but Adam actually posted a response. Okay. He, and there was a message attached to the response. And it says, Dearest Taylor, I'll be the first to admit I'm a rather shy boy. And since music is the most eloquent form of communication I can muster, I decided to record something for you as sort of a reply to this breathtaking song on your current record. This is what I wanted so badly to tell you in person, but could never quite put it into words. Everything about you is beautiful. Whoa. (laughs) You're an immensely charming girl with a wonderful heart and more grace and elegance than I know to describe. You are a true princess from a dreamy fairy tale, a modern Cinderella. I'm terribly sorry it's taken me such a long time to, so long time to reply, but I figured Valentine's Day was the perfect time oh. to write this note to you and simply say, I was enchanted to meet you too. Love, Adam. This is like gross. <laughs> okay, can I say something? I okay. <laughs> I'm having lots of feelings here. The this you know, okay. When like if, if <laughs> women always say, and this is a valid this is a valid thing that like like they don't owe men shit. A yeah. a response back to a right. DM, a call right. back. Someone wants to take you out. Like you don't have to go on a on a date with some like I'm I this is actually starting to irk me a little bit that Taylor feels like she is able to and she certainly she's able to but like she can release music about every crush she's ever had person she's brushed against person she wanted to talk to that like that that all these people are owed Mm -hmm. or or rather she's owed like a response from all of these people or like i'm gonna write a song about you like this is like that's like that's a little twisted and in the the marco polo's back and forth with me and gabby which started this thing this whole podcast at one point i said i feel like i'd be very not okay with being her friend because any situation we're in could become a song like i'd be very nervous to be around her just because like she seizes these moments and then it becomes a song and then there's like a whole back and forth all the time and i'd be like can we just go to lunch like what is wrong (laughs) but just but just make this the reverse imagine like Mm -hmm. if imagine if like you know usher like had released a, a full album of like all songs dedicated to specific people that he was going to drop clues in the liner notes of who these people were. And the songs were of the nature of we right. were in the same room and I really <laughs> wanted to talk to you and you didn't talk to me. So I'm going to roast you for five minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? Like that wouldn't like people would be like, are you crazy? Mm. But it's like, oh, she's just cute and in her feelings. I don't it's a little. But I think like. This is Taylor's thing. She lives in a fairy tale world. It is kind of fucked up. I don't know. It's a little double standardy. It is, but I think she's getting away with it because she's very young. 
Like, remember, she's, like, 17. Yes. So, not that I'm saying it's, like, permissible. But at the time, I think people are like, oh, she's a songwriter. She's developing her craft. And But I agree with you. It's like, what are we doing? This is a little much. It's little girls will be girls sounding. That's what it's sounding like. It's a little, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a little creepy. I hear it. I hear you. I hear All you. All right. Let's move on. Track 10. Better Than Revenge. This song is so fucked up, but I love it. I love when she's so mad at somebody because then the lyrics are just like spicy. She's saying some spicy stuff in this song. She's better known for the things that she does on the mattress. That's so rude. (laughs) It's totally rude. It's so rude. I also love that she used dresses against another person. She weaponized it. Yeah, this is the lyric. No amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity, which is pot calling the kettle black a little bit because you just sang a couple tracks earlier about how you gave your dignity away to John Mayer, but okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Didn't love this. I feel like this is the same mood as Misery Business from Paramore, which was in 07. This is a kids bob, to borrow Priscilla's term, this is a kids bob version of uh, Misery Business. You know, it's, it's like immature... It seems so schizophrenic to me because she's in mean. She's calling out people for being petty and mean. And then she's doing that exact thing in this mm. song. Like, she's not painting herself out to be very nice at all. Mm-hmm. I think she was trying to, to Cassine's point, put on, like, the bad girl character. It does not work. Like, this never works for you. Don't do that. Like, it's bad. It just doesn't fit her. Like, it just didn't make sense. I feel like she wrote it. It almost feels like an exercise. And then they were like, let's put it on the album. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, leave this out. And then tropes, yes, dresses, of course. I'm I'm pretty in line with Kate. I, I felt like it was her playing, like, the Avril character again. I felt like it was it was mm-hmm. very similar. Mm-hmm. I I didn't love it. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. It was just sort of, like, noise. To, it was very filler. I felt like it was, mm. like, maybe a yeah. song she really liked and she just wanted it on the album. Uh, but it, it just felt very generic and mm-hmm. a little out of place, I thought, in the whole of the album. Yeah. And so I was, mm-hmm. this at this point in the album, I was getting a little worried because I was like, we started strong and then it, it picked up even, it got even better. And then I felt like I was in a little bit of a slump around this part of the album. Yeah, agree. So the secret message is, you thought I would forget. This song is about, allegedly, about Camilla Bell, who is an actress. She's probably like a C-list actress, I That's think, generous. right now. That's <laughs> That's very generous. (laughs) But allegedly, Camilla Bell stole, quote unquote, stole Joe Jonas from Taylor Swift. When really what happened is Joe Jonas broke up with her and started dating Camilla Bell. Like, get over it. But, you know, for this being like a 17, 18 or 19 year old girl who wrote this song, I get it. But it is... Even though it fits in with the theme of the album, which is these are the things I wish I said, but I didn't say. Yeah. It's mean for no reason. Yeah. And in recent years, I want to say sometime in the past two or three years, Taylor has said she's not ever going to sing the song again because she recognizes that it's really Which is what Paramore said about Misery Business. Yeah, don't play that anymore. That Haley will not play that song anymore. Well, actually, that makes me like it a little bit more. At least I appreciate that she's, like, grown out of this song, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. She's grown out. It served a purpose, and now she's grown out of it. Yeah. All right, 11, Innocent. All right, I'm going to start with the hidden message. Life is full of little interruptions. Mm. This song, Kate and Cassine and or thousands of <laughs> listeners, <laughs> is about Kanye West 
interrupting her at the VMAs. Wait, this one? Wow. Exactly, Kate. This is my problem with this song. <laughs> I knew that this was the Kanye track, and it's... You can't write a diss track to a rapper that's this weak. <laughs> it's not good. I don't even think it's a diss track. I thought this was like part two of Don't Ever Grow Up. No, it is about Kanye West, and she's she says something like about him being 32, and like you're still not a grown up. We have so much learning to do, kind of yeah. thing. And I'm just like, why did you write this? Uh, this is better than Revenge should have been to him. That one had some butt. Yeah, <laughs> but I also hate like you're still an innocent is the the line. Ew. When this man, he was a grown man. <sighs> He is not an innocent. Like, why did you write Such this? Such mixed messages. I have that lyrically. I, I thought I was thinking Peter Pan syndrome. I was going back to the idea of children. I even wrote down that line. It's okay. Life is a tough crowd. 32 and still grown up now. Who you are is not what you did. You're still an innocent. I love the concept of that, but I thought it was like, like inspirational, mm. like grow up to be a good person. Now that I know, like I'm all screwed up in my head now. <laughs> Lots of vocal layers, which I thought was cool for a change. But the song is over five minutes and I wrote, not every song needs to be an epic. This is almost a good song. <laughs> that was my fun. And no tropes, no tropes on this one. I like. I liked it. Now, I, I like it significantly less now that I know what it's about. <laughs> Who it's about. Um <laughs> It it seemed to me it seemed like the most like uh, uh, a return to like her directly talking to someone in a way without like all of that background noise of like better than revenge like it just had like it was more stripped down which I sort of appreciated and I thought it sounded very atmospheric like I it was like a mm -hmm, return yeah. to the sounds of like the first half of the album which I really appreciated yeah. it sounded more like like Taylor Swift and not like these various characters she was playing over the course of the album. Right. And I really liked the bridge on this song. Like, I just thought this sounded like a good song again, where the other, like the last couple of ones were kind of forgettable. This one I felt just sounded like if I were buying a Taylor Swift album, what would I expect to hear? This sounded like what I would expect to yeah. hear. So I don't know if I thought it was yeah. great, but it just sounded like familiar in a good way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can't believe it's about Kanye West. That's so strange. I would hate it less if it yeah. wasn't about yeah. him. If it was about something else. Did you know that before you listened to it? Yes. Um, yeah, so that's got to... Yeah. Yes. I knew there was a song about Kanye on the album because that was like a rumor. And I was decoding and I was like, oh, this has it to has be It has to be. I, now I'm thinking about it. I have no idea what else it would have been. Yeah. What's the exact message? Life is full of little interruptions. Oh, little, okay. Ooh, that's, that's a bigger diss than the song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Let's move on. Uh, track 12, Haunted. This is the second song that we've heard where Taylor's using orchestral arrangements. Mm -hmm. And again, I love it, but I don't think they are used as well as they were on the other song. No. They're just kind of there to add, like, glitter, and they are not eliciting emotion or really moving the momentum forward on the song. Yeah. I think the purpose of them was to have those violin sounds so it sounds like Halloween because the song is called totally. Haunted. And that seems really lazy. Yeah. And this, I think, is the first time that she actually sounds really angry. So I'm very proud of her. I got a Halloween vibe. I said it feels like hard country. I don't really know what that is, but that's what I heard. Uh, made me think of Evanescence, 
It had like an Evanescence vibe. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Um, and I just put that it was a completely different mood from everything else on this album, which in a way I appreciate, but it also feels like it shouldn't have been in this group. Like, I don't know. It's just a weird, weird one for me. And uh, no tropes on this. So I'm like a hybrid of where you both were. I thought it was immediately like a very different sounding song. So it kind of made me like wake up a little bit, especially as we were like like landing this plane yes. of the album. <laughs> it sounded to me like I could almost hear it in the background of like a scene in like a Gladiator or like 300. Oh, yeah. And I also was thinking of that, um, I don't know, the uh, Centuries? Is that the name of the song? That Remember Me oh, for yeah, Centuries. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, yeah, I felt like that sort of like, like an epic sound. Yeah. But this song... Of all the songs of the album, this one was the most frustrating for me because I felt like I really wanted to like it. And I think I kind of liked it, but the mu- it was so overproduced mm. that I couldn't make out the lyrics. Yeah. Like, I was trying to, but I couldn't really hear what she was singing. And so, like, I, I didn't know if I liked it, you know? It just was, a, like, a lot of sound and not a lot of music, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a kind of cool guitar solo, which I liked. There's a lot of things about this song that are good, but all together, it just doesn't work. I think it might be a good song i think it's kind of in its own way a little bit and that's what was kind of frustrating to me yeah the hidden message is still to this day uh now i couldn't find anything that said who specifically this was about but i think it's about joe jonas Mm. because she sings come on come on don't leave me like this i thought i had you figure out figured out Mm. and he broke up with her because the only other relationship is Taylor Lautner and John Mayer, and they both dumped, or he dumped, you know, we know with yeah. the John songs, and she broke up with Taylor Lautner. So that's just my guess. Interesting. 13, last kiss. I got a special note. Uh, I still remember the look on your face lit through the darkness at 158. I counted instead it. Instead of two. I counted it. It was close enough. It counts. <laughs> it counts. It's two minutes away. That's practically two, but impressed that she used 158. Instead she was of like, two. I gotta, I gotta surprise him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this song. It's, it's sad. It really gets me the way that she's singing. This is, and I think we've mentioned this already, but this is the first album where she really learned how to use her voice emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think she does that really, really well on this song. Okay. I love the bridge instrumentally. I think it creates like a nice peak in the song, but I I wish the lyrics were a little different because we go into kind of creepy Taylor. So I'll watch your life in pictures like I used to watch you sleep. Yes. And I feel you forget me like I used to feel you breathe. I wrote that one down. So weird. And I keep up with our old friends just to ask them how you are. Yes. I hope it's nice where you are. No, this is all wrong. I had a couple notes on that. Well, first, it is over six minutes. I, I turned it off at 4.50. I was like, I got I it. I like it. I can listen to it the whole way It's way, way through, too long. I said, I'm over this vibe at this point. I feel like I've heard this song twice before on this album alone. Like, I just feel like it wasn't necessary. And the lyrics are problematic. So the one that you said is very stalkery. One I wrote down, when you'd kiss me when I was in the middle of saying something... I was like, no, no, no. Like, she misses when he would do that. And I was like, no, no, he's shutting you up. No. I will say, I know a few women that like that. No. I fucking hate no, it. No, Don't no. interrupt me when I'm speaking. Yeah. So just like, I didn't I didn't love this one. 158, and I put in parentheses, not 2 a.m., but I'm counting it. <laughs> she mentions the rain, and she mentions meeting my father. Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Cassine? 
I liked it. I, I liked the song. And I felt, I mean, this is going to sound like so like corny, but I felt like I loved that the, where this was in the album. Mm. Like, I love that, like that big kind of like cacophony of sound of Haunted. And then we like came like immediately down. Yeah. Like it just kind of like caught my ear and like kind of like drew me in. And then it really, it felt very warm. You know, and I th- what Gabby was talking about, about, like, the way she uses her voice, like, I just felt like she was, um, I just felt her in this song in, in a way that I thought was kind of cool. Um, it's It was only, like, I guess in, like, the plot of the song, it was kind of like her Someone Like You mm, song, yeah. you know, like, I hope you're doing okay, and, like, you know, I'm gonna kind of keep a... A bird's eye view on everything that you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know why I liked it. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have liked it if it were somewhere else in the album, but I it felt like a nice way to start okay. to land this plane. Yeah. It felt very kind of like warm and comforting. And I liked the length of it too, actually. I kind of liked that it was like a longer, I like a long song. If it's done well, if it's good, I like I agree kind of seeing like the placement of it on the track listing. It, and it is the last love song on the record. Um, which maybe I spoiled it, but I'll let you know. <laughs> the hidden message is Forever and Always. Oh. Which is a reference to Forever and Always, which was a track on her previous album, Fearless. And that song is about Joe Jonas. So the rumor is that this song is also about Lots Joe Lots of Joe. Lots of Joe. He really fucked her up. Yikes. All right. We're here at the last song, track 14, Long Live. I'm going to tell you guys the message. And then I'll tell you what I feel. Uh, The message is for you. This song is about her band. And it is the reason I love this song. She wrote this song for her bandmates after spending a couple years on the road. And, you know, you create a family and friends there. And she wrote this song for them. Once I found that out, when I first heard this song, I've always liked this song. So I'm not sure if I can criticize it because I think... Just just because of what I do, it's such a nice thing for her to do. Mm. It's fucking badass and that they got to play this song together knowing that she wrote it about them and how much she loves them, I think is just very cool. And now I feel like a dick because I wrote that <laughs> it's largely unmemorable. <laughs> I put the lyrics are super heavy leaning into the fairy tale aesthetic, which I was hopeful we had left behind at this point. <laughs> the lyric, if you have children someday, tell them my name. I wrote, ew, what? Because I thought this was like a romantic thing. And I was like, that's weird. I think this is the start of a new trope, the kings and queens. I know this comes up in later albums, the idea of royalty. Mm. Um, and then the tropes I have were town, ripped up jeans, and dance. But I think I need to re-listen to it now that I know what it is. I might feel differently about it. It changes the song. Yeah. What do you think, Case? So I, I like um, I like when albums kind of like go out with like a bang and something different. So I, I liked... It was it was different than everything else in the album, and I was kind of excited by it. I was trying to figure out exactly who she was talking to. Like, so I was like, long live, obviously, like, long live the queen, like, something like that. But I was like, is it like a prom king? Is it a wedding? Another wedding song? Is that what we're talking about? Like, right. where where are the crowd in the stands going wild? Like, in what forum is, is it? Like, I was just a little bit confused. I felt like so many of her songs are so... Um, 
maybe you don't know who they're about, but like they're so literal that I was just like, this seems very metaphorical unnecessarily. Yeah. Mm. Um, but now that I know it is about a group of like now it actually makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. But I didn't. But not knowing that, I was just sort of like, what's happening here? Right. But I actually kind of liked it musically. I mean, I thought it was kind of like. I, I like when there is, um, I think, Gabby, you said this about the first song. There was, like, kind of a confidence in that first song. Like, it was, it, it just sort of announced itself. Yeah. I kind of liked that this song sort of, like, announced that it was ending. Mm. It was kind of cool in that way. So I, I thought it was a nice little bookend to the Yeah, I think album. it's a good closer and that it is very different than everything else on the album. Yeah, I really like it. I like the lyrics to it, but I, I guess it does change it when you don't realize who it's about. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Cool. We did we it. We did it. We got guys. it all. So, last thing here, right? Kate, what is your favorite, least favorite, and underdog of this album? Okay. My underdog is definitely Enchanted. Worst song is Speak Now. <laughs> Can't stand it. Favorite song, I was debating, but I think I decided right now that it's Dear John. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I was between that and back to December, but I think it's Dear John. Cassine, what about you? Favorite, least favorite, and underdog? Do you have one? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say least favorite, Never Grow Up. Obviously. Mm. Um, Good choice. Yeah. I'm going to say underdog is going to be, my underdog's going to be Dear John. And I think Ooh. that my I think that my favorite is maybe back to December. That might be my oh, favorite. Oh, similar. Nice. Okay. Gabby, how about you? Well, my least favorite is obviously Never Grow Up. If I could have two oh, yeah. least favorites, it would be Never Grow Up and then Innocent, but unfortunately I can't. <laughs> my favorite, I'm gonna say my favorite is Enchanted. Sorry, Cousin. <laughs> That, wow. I really love oh my that god, song. I'm surprised. It's not um, sorry to me. I I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and I'll give my underdog um uh to mine. Yeah, mine's a good mine's one. A good mine, one. Mine, mine is good. Mine's a solid choice. Um so Cassine, do you think that you have become a Taylor Swift fan after doing this exercise? Honestly, I think I, I really legitimately think I have like a new appreciation for her. I, I don't know if I'd say fan, but yeah. I, I definitely appreciate her more than I did, you know, last week. Sure. Kate, the big question is, Kate, are you a Taylor fan yet? I've been thinking about this all week. I cannot say that I'm a fan yet, but I will say I think between Dear John and Back to December, I definitely have a new respect for her as a songwriter. Mm. And if I am going to become a fan, this is like the pivotal space. Okay. The previous two albums, not so much, but this one, something is starting to happen. I'm feeling butterflies, but I'm like not ready to commit. Okay. Well, Cassine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you. Thank fun. you for, for inviting me. I appreciate it. Do you have any upcoming projects that you want to mention? I have a book coming out in June. Um, it's a, a big, it's a huge coffee table book on um, uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Nice. And so oh. I spoke with uh, Mr. Mr. Spielberg, if I can uh, drop that name. And um, we have lots yes. of really fun it's amazing. So if you're a fan of E.T., it's for the 40th anniversary this year. And it's out That's this very June. cool. I love E.T. It's one of my favorites. I'm so When excited. you have a pre-order link, please share and we'll post it on our socials. Too. Oh, one is out, so I will share it with you. So you can Oh, yeah, share it and we'll put it do. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, so it's time for the lyric trope tally count for Taylor's third album, Speak Now. Jeans, one song. Dress, two songs. Radio, zero songs. Daddy or father, two songs. Truck, car, or passenger seat, two songs. Knee, zero songs. Rain, three songs. Town, four songs. Dance or dancing, four songs. Dream, three songs. Phone, one song. Stars, zero songs. 2 a.m., three songs. Story, chapter, or page, four songs. My room or your room, one song. Royalty of any kind, two songs. Door or doorstep, three songs. Big thanks to the band Above the Moon for writing and recording our theme song. You can find them on Instagram at Above the Moon Music or on their website, AboveTheMoonMusic.com. If you enjoyed listening, give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you really enjoyed listening, leave us a like, rate us, or review us so more people can find us. You can keep up with news about new episodes on Instagram at Minor Notes Podcast or email us, minornotespodcast at gmail.com. Minor Notes is a finally cool production. Next episode, we'll be joined by Taylor Superfan and my good friend Kelly Rank to discuss Taylor's fourth album, Red. Be sure to tune in.